0: Hey, neighbor, I appreciate you stopping by. It's a great evening tonight. Fall's in the air, won't be long, it'll be Christmas time, but hey, pull up a chair. I'll run inside the house and get you a cup of joe. I'll be right back. Have you ever been lost? I mean, really lost? I have. I was a senior in high school. When I found out my father was planning an overnight fishing trip to the Brazos River, I asked him if I could go with him and bring a friend. He said, sure. My dad, my good friend Jeff, and I climbed in the single-cab 1965 Ford F-100 pickup truck named Old Yeller and took off for the 96-mile drive to Route 16 Bridge Road, just below the dam of Possum Kingdom Lake. My dad named the truck Old Yeller because the old Ford truck was banana yellow with a large chrome basset hound hood ornament molded in the squatting position, bolted to the front of the hood. Leaving on Friday evening after my father got off work put us there close to dark. The river access just below the Possum Kingdom Dam was not an official campground. There was no attendant to charge you a fee. It was just a dirt road that went off of the bridge road and ran alongside the river where people would pull in for the day or for overnight camping. It may have been a private property that wasn't maintained. Who knows? No one ever stopped us from parking or camping there. Right after we arrived, another truck came driving down the dirt road toward us. It was an uneasy feeling because it was late and they were coming right up into our camp. Men got out of the truck and I heard the voice of one of my father's rowdy friends say, Hey, Jimmy. Get in the truck. I want to show you a new fishing hole we found over in Caddo. Caddo, Texas was a wide spot in the road, 19 miles southwest from where we were, just a short 20-minute drive. So my father left and went with his friend. He had the keys to the truck in his pocket when he left. As darkness set in, I got out the Coleman lantern, which I had never been permitted to light, why I don't know, and proceeded to try and get the thing lit based on what I had observed from my father. I got the lantern lit, and we waited for my father to return. At that time, there was no development in that river valley. When darkness came, the river was pitch black. Beyond the light of the lantern, it was the abyss. One hour became two. No dad. No keys to leave. Darkness. Then a really scary thing happened. A vehicle came driving down the dirt road and pulled right into camp. We didn't know if it was my father or someone else. It was a pickup truck, but not the one my father left in. The truck turned off and someone got out. I heard the person say, Kenny Powell, what's going on? As the person stepped into the light, I realized it was my uncle Eddie, my dad's brother. I told him what was going on, how we got there, and dad left immediately with a friend. My uncle knew the other man well. He asked how long they'd been gone. I told him. He asked, you don't reckon something's happened to them, do you? Maybe we should go looking for them. I agreed. By this time, I was mad and wanted to go home. The trip had been ruined. My uncle had been drinking. He said he was hungry. I asked him how long it had been since he last ate. He asked what day it was. I told him Friday. He said Wednesday. He had been awake and binge drinking for three days. I asked him if he had an idea where to start looking. He said he did. You may wonder why Jeff and I got in the truck with Eddie behind the wheel, having been on a three-day drinking binge. It's the environment I grew up in, and at the moment, Eddie seemed pretty coherent. The Don't Drink and Drive ad campaign was to come along five years later in 1983. Anyway, the longer he drove, the more lost we became, driving in the black of night on dark two-lane country roads in the middle of nowhere. At one point, he asked Jeff and I if we wanted to get high. We didn't drink or do drugs. I asked my uncle, you have drugs in the truck? He said yes, he had some pot. At this point, my friend Jeff was beginning to panic along the lines of, ''What have you gotten me into?'' I could see Jeff's face in the glow from the old Chevy speedometer light. I told him we didn't want to smoke pot. He said, ''Well, I've got some pills that will get you high.'' And reached under the seat as he was driving and got out a baggie full of pills. I asked, ''What kind of pills are those, Eddie?'' He said he didn't know, but the person he got them from said they will get you high. I told him, ''No, we don't want any pills, Eddie.'' By this time, we were so lost, no home lights in the countryside, no lights at all, just country in the two-lane, no-shoulder road. At that point, I told Eddie I think he needed to let me drive. We were lost, and he was in no shape to get us back to civilization. So I took over driving, trying to head back in the direction we came. All of a sudden, there was a brilliant orange orb of light blasting me in the face, reflecting off a large, chrome-framed, RV-hauling-type driver's-side mirror. I had never seen anything like it. It was the type of orbing light you hear people encounter when being pursued by a UFO. I said, what in the world is that? By this time, Eddie was passed out with his head slumped over. He raised his head, looked out my window at the mirror, and said it was a cop. I said, cop? How can that be a cop? That isn't a squad car light. He said it was an exterior side mount light, like a spotlight, the type of light county sheriffs used. Evidently, he had experienced this before. At this point, my friend Jeff was really freaking. He said, Oh my gosh, they are never going to believe that dope is not ours. We're going to jail. I was panicked to know what to do. Eddie said I needed to pull over. I decided I would pull over, jump out of the truck, and head off the sheriff from coming up to the cab of the truck, or so I thought. I stopped the truck there on the no-shoulder two-lane country road, jumped out of the truck, and intercepted the officer just as he made it to the front of his car. I asked him, Is there a problem, officer? He said, yes, there is. I asked him what was wrong. He said, you have a taillight out. I told the officer I was not aware of that and that I would get it fixed. He asked me, is this your truck? I told him, no, sir. He then asked, well, whose truck is it? Uh Uh-oh. I told him, my uncle's. He asked, where's your uncle? I told him, in the truck. (laughs) He said, well, let's go talk to your uncle. He asked, why is your uncle not driving? I told him, he's been drinking. He got to the cab and beamed his flashlight into the cab. As the light hit my Uncle Eddie, he snapped to attention and looked straight into the light and became very lucid. He said, Evening, officer. The officer asked him, Is this your truck? Eddie said, Yes, sir. The officer asked him, Why aren't you driving? Eddie told him, Because I've been drinking and thought it would be best at the boy drive. The officer commended him for making a wise choice. He asked Eddie if he was aware that he had a taillight out. Eddie said, No. The cop told him he needed to get it fixed. Eddie said he would. The cop let us off with a warning and didn't search the truck. As he finished, I asked the police officer how to get back to Texas 16 Bridge. Then we finally made it back to camp. What a mess. What a nightmare. Lost in a quagmire of an evening, not of my creation. But there I was in it and desperately trying to get out of it. Hopefully, friend, you have never encountered a crazy event like this in your life. But have you ever been really lost? In Luke chapter 15, Dr. Luke records three of Jesus' stories, which paint the picture of the celebratory nature of God's acts of redemption when what was lost becomes found. He talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. In the parable of the lost son, Jesus talks about a lost condition beyond the physical realm. It is the condition when a person loses themselves. There in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This special story for sure speaks about the rejoicing in heaven that occurs when a person passes from the death of sin that is over every life into the life of Christ's redemption. But there is an aspect of this story that also speaks to the lostness that each of us can cast ourselves into when we deviate from God's ways and His best. This aspect of losing ourselves is what I want to focus on for just a moment. The son made a deliberate choice to withdraw his inheritance early and go about life in his own way, and his father gave him what he asked, and the wayward son suffered the the consequences of his wild living. He lost his family, prominence in the community, his wealth, his basic needs for life support. He lost everything, including himself. But everything changed when he came to his senses and made his way back to his father. As he made his way home, this story reveals something profound about the character of our father God. In verse 20, where it says, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The father whom Represents God in this story was watching for the Son's return. And this is the only place in all of the Bible where God is anthropomorphized and shown running to the repentant sinner with great compassion, manifested in a hug around the neck and a kiss. Full acceptance back home without explanation or hesitation. Friend, as humans, we blow it sometimes, and sometimes we blow it big, and sometimes the bad mistakes take on a life of its own, and we end up in even more severe life circumstances that spiral out of our control. The great news today is that when, by the grace of God, we come to our senses, God, unlike most of us humans, is ready to receive us back into close fellowship with Him without explanation or hesitation. I do not agree with people who hold themselves in high regard as an expert in Christian crisis intervention who demand the prodigal to confess and remunerate every wrong done in order to know and experience the full forgiveness of our Father God. It's not biblical and it's not healthy. Yes, the Bible does tell us to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And setting relationships straight is healthy, but what does God require? The repentant son shows us, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He acknowledged his sin was global and known, and he humbled himself before his Father, no longer demanding his rights but asking for mercy. Friend, our waywardness always carries with it a price tag, and sometimes the price tag for the sin is great. Sometimes our actions bear the consequences of permanent damage in this life, but for the truly repentant child of God, the consequences are never permanent with our loving Father. God tells us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us is from all unrighteousness. My Uncle Eddie was a prodigal who came home to Jesus at the end of his life. Before surgery to remove a cluster of malignant tumors that had metastasized from his lung cancer, I talked to Eddie about his salvation experience I knew he had had as a teenage boy. He affirmed his salvation and repented of his long walk into wayward living. I was the officiating minister for his funeral, and I was able to share Eddie's story of repentance and redemption with his rowdy friends. So, dear friend, if you've blown it, I encourage you to go back home and enjoy the celebration that is waiting. Accept the forgiveness. Embrace the consequences as they are. And get on with serving God and loving the life He's given you. And with that, I bid you peace. Hey, you've been listening to Guat Dot Rocks God the World and Other Things. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I've been your host, Kenny Price. As always, be sure to check out the show notes for info on how you can email us, donate to help make this podcast possible, and all sorts of good info for your consumption. Man, if I can make the show notes scented, I'd make them give off the smoky oak goodness, the way it smells when I'm smoking a brisket. Anyway, until next time, make it a good one.